Snowman Podcast. Welcome back to the Snowman Podcast. I'm host as always, the Snowman. Well, folks, I got another special episode for you. Earlier in the week, I got to sit down and interview my friend Aaron Brumley, who is one of the associate pastors at Lyft Church. But unlike other interviews you've heard on the podcast, today's will have a particular topic, Easter. Regarded as the most special day in the calendar year by Christians, I thought it would be great to hear why it is so special, and possibly help some understand its true meaning. Now, like I said, Aaron is the associate slash outreach pastor of Lyft Church, and he is happily married to his wife, Annalise, who just got her doctorate in physical therapy. He's the type of gent who you can sit down and talk with pretty easily, even if you don't know him very well. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is Pastor Aaron Brumley. Well, hey man, first off, thanks for coming on to the podcast and for the special edition interview. Before we begin, would you please share with the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, um, my name is Pastor Aaron Brumley. I get the privilege of being an associate pastor at Lift Church here in Salisbury, Maryland. Um, and with that, I get the privilege of heading up all of our outreach, our small groups, um, and it's an awesome time. Nice. Uh, can you share a little bit more about what, as outreach pastor, you do, um, like how involved we are in the community and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, as the outreach pastor, I, I get to head up everything that we do kind of outside of our own walls, um, outside of a Sunday morning um, in our community, um, which really means I get to head up what we call Lift City, um, which is our um, outreach into a separate 501c3 nonprofit that we funnel all of our outreach through. Um, we call it Lift City um, because that's our goal is to lift our city up. Um, in the name of Jesus. Um, and so right now what we're working on is, you know, kind of adopting a part of our town where we are in consistently. Um, and I really get to be kind of the, the vision carrier along with our board and our fellow pastors um, in heading that up and, you know, moving from not just doing for people, because Jesus always did for people. He fed them, he healed them, but he was also with people. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not going to stop doing for people. We're not going to stop doing awesome things for them and feeding them and going to do homeless ministry and all those kinds of good things. But shifting our focus from not just doing for them, but being with them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is a way that Jesus changed lives. And I think that's a way that, that we can too. Yeah, and I mean, you could see that a lot in the early church, like in the first century where Peter, John, and the rest, they designate the special seven, I think. Yeah. And then Paul comes along and he's all over the map, literally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So Easter is probably, besides Christmas, the biggest event in the Christian calendar, so to speak. Before we get into the deeper aspect of why it's important, can you explain what it is in like a general sense for like those who may or may not understand what it is, they only think of it as the Easter Bunny, and then maybe the impact it has had on you personally? Yeah, I mean, so Easter is the Super Bowl of Christianity. It's, it's what everything is centered around. It really is that, you know, without the event of Easter, nothing else makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, there's... Paul even says it that without the resurrection, without 
um, this event that none of what we believe makes sense. We're actually to be pitied because we're, we're just look like we're crazy. Yeah. Um, but Easter, we celebrate. Um, generally, we call it, we start with Good Friday, and that is the day that Jesus died. That was the day that He sacrificed His life to atone for our sins, to take the penalty that we deserved, and died on a cross. And then three days later on Sunday, and we're going to talk about that timeline a little bit. Um, he ri- he rises from the dead. Not and so on the cross he defeated sin, mm-hmm. and when he rose from the dead he defeated death. Yeah, securing our place with him in eternity, um, and 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 saving us from our sin, from death, um, and just overcoming it all um, in one weekend you could say yeah um and that's really that's why it's a big deal um it's it's what everything is centered around that is the moment that you said that you know the christian calendar is revolved around but that's the moment that the calendar of, of history is revolves around yeah. we know we refer to to ad um mm-hmm. after death or, or bc before christ like this yeah. this guy jesus the entire calendar of the world of history revolves around his life. Yeah. Um, and this is the climax of it. And that's why it's such a big deal. Yeah. So what is the impact on you personally? Like what impacted you the most out of that story? Like how did you first hear about it and stuff like that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I grew up with great parents who, who taught me about this at a young age and I was in church hearing about the, the stories, uh, but it didn't come become real to me until later in my life. Um, but, but this, this is what, you know, now my life revolves around, Mm -hmm. um, is this sacrifice that Christ made for me. Um, it's personal. It's not just an event in history that this is personal to me that this is, he did it for me. He atoned for the sins that I commit, um, that every time I screw up, it's, it's, he paid for that, um, that he really did it personally for me. It wasn't just. Um, for the proverbial somebody out there or the big C church, all these people or the world, but it was for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just the the aspect of, you know, when he died on the cross, he overcame sin. When he rose from the dead, he overcame death. I mean, that part just, it just gets me, you know, the, yeah. the cross was, was probably, you know, the event of the cross was the most devastating time in Christian history. Mm-hmm. Like the savior was dead. Like they didn't know that, you know, he said he was going to rise. Right. But in this moment, the guy they've been following for years is dead. Yeah. And the resurrection is the greatest victory, the greatest conquering in the history of the universe. Mm-hmm. And it's that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, and so I love that. Yeah. That, that's awesome. And I mean, like the Trinity was broken and not that I don't know if the disciples truly understood what the Trinity was. They, knew God and they knew Jesus, but I don't think they knew the Holy Spirit, but I don't think they really understood it at that point. Yeah. In the early church, they, they would have been baffled by the idea of a Trinity. Yeah. We would, that we, what we call the Trinity, they knew God, the father, they knew Jesus as the son and they knew the Holy Spirit. But the idea of this Trinity didn't come along until much later where we kind of put into words, this doctrine and this, Mm -hmm. this belief on this theology of, of the Trinity. Um, and so, yeah, they, they would have no clue um, about the significance of that. Yeah. So getting into that deeper aspect, why did Christ do what he did? And how do you think those who had it revealed to reacted to it? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, it simply put that like he did what he did because he loves us. 
you know, um, that's the simple answer, but I think is, is the best answer that you can say to it. Um, he saw that we were dead in our sin. He saw where we were heading. He saw the brokenness of humanity, um, and he couldn't sit back and watch it. Mm-hmm. And he came and he did something about it. Um, he knew that we couldn't pay for our own sins um, or the penalty of our own sins was too much for us to pay. And he decided to come pay it for us. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's that simply put, um, you know, and, and how it, you know, affected those that it was revealed to, you know, in, in the Old Testament, there was a lot of, you know, prophecies about Jesus. Yeah. And he uh, fulfilled every prophecy of the Old Testament. You know, and I think that's significant, but I think it's it's more significant than we even think. Yeah. That this wasn't just authors in the Old Testament writing about Jesus and he was fulfilling these things written about him. That it's actually a lot different than people think about it. The authors in the Old Testament weren't thinking of Jesus Mm-mm. when they were writing these prophecies, you know. Um, you know, in the book of Matthew, there's a lot of these and Jesus um, fulfilled this prophecy and he fulfilled it in this way. And yeah. Matthew really... Um, explains the fulfilling of prophecies a lot. Um, that's mm-hmm. something significant to his book. Um, but one in one in particular that you know shows this bigger idea is he references this prophecy in the book of Hosea, where Hosea says, and he he calls his son out of Egypt. Or mm-hmm. out of his out of Egypt he calls his son. And of course we point to the New Testament from this perspective we have now of of when they were in Egypt with Joseph Mary and they, they they fled to Egypt and then they came out of Egypt by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And Matthew yep. points to that and says, when Hosea said, out of Egypt he calls a son, this is what he was talking about. Right. right. But I think even more than that, Hosea was not talking about Jesus when he wrote that. He was talking about the Exodus of when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt. Right? And so he was referring to a past event. Mm-hmm. But then Matthew sees this and says, holy cow, wow, this guy Jesus fulfills these prophecies and these Old Testament scriptures in ways that nobody thought was possible. Jesus not only fulfilled that, Jesus is the Exodus. Yeah. Jesus is moving from death to life. Jesus is the coming out of slavery and into freedom. Jesus is all these things, not just fulfilling something that somebody wrote about him thousands of years ago, but he is the exodus. He is death to life. And I think that perspective is even so much better than saying that he fulfilled some words written about him thousands of years ago, but instead he fulfilled those prophecies in ways that nobody even thought he would. Yeah, And that's what Matthew's pointing out here. And I love that, um, about you know the nature of Jesus's life and his death and his resurrection and everything he brought about, um, I think it's really cool. Yeah, I mean that really does help people. I think understand some things because um, I think one of the most telling prophecies is from Isaiah when he's writing about the suffering that Christ was would go through. Do you suppose that was something that Isaiah had seen in the past, or do you like how you said Hosea was? writing about the Exodus, mm-hmm. um, do you suppose that was from the past, or do you think that was God just told him to write it down, he wrote that down, not knowing the full story of that? Yeah, and I think um, there are definitely some instances of prophecy that was fulfilled in ways that nobody even thought, and there were prophecies that were filled in ways that they they did think were going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's specifically in, the, in Isaiah, um, there are some where they— 
in the history of Israel, they are anticipating the coming of a Messiah. And so when they're writing about this Messiah, they are anticipating Jesus. They didn't know it was going to be Jesus, but they were anticipating a Messiah. And so some words written about the Messiah were an anticipation of this Messiah coming, which was Jesus. And he fulfilled those prophecies yeah. um, and they, they came to pass. Yeah. And that that is one of the crazy aspects of our faith in that regard. And something else that when you first see it, it's mind boggling, but God knew all of this was going to happen when he created the earth and he knew exactly when it would happen, but no one else did. And through the alignment of the stars that when I first saw this documentary called the star of Bethlehem, it talks about the birth of Jesus and how the stars align. But then the host says, I'm going to take you to the day of the cross. And he shows how the stars align even more. You can't have set that up just on the spur of the moment. That had to be planned from the dawn of creation. So what that showed me was just like God has this huge picture. How does that, when you think about God, is like that aspect mean to you? Like it's huge, but no one knows exactly where what he's thinking. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, again, it's personal because he's got this plan for my life. Um, he's got a, his will for my life and, and I want to follow that, you know, and his is going to be a whole lot better than mine. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Um, and I think th this is a part of the greatness of God, of, of the unimaginableness of God is if, if I could understand God completely, if I could understand his entire plan in the entirety, um, then that's not a very impressive God, in my opinion. You know, mm -mm. if I can comprehend everything, um, that would mean that I would be God and that would be not good for anybody, um, <laughs> you know. And so we can't fully understand it completely. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, um, and so for some people, that's hard. You know, it was hard for me. But also at the same time, I think that's part of the aspects of God is we're not going to understand everything about him. We're mm -hmm. not going to understand every piece of the plan. Um, but then he shows these grand acts of of divine power, a divine plan, um, you know, with the, the stars um, on Jesus' death and his resurrection and his birth. And it's it's awesome. I yeah. just think it's it's awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. And then, like I said, it blows my mind. When I first watched it, I was not into documentaries at all. And then when I watched it again, I was like, holy cow, this is one of the best documentaries I've ever yeah. seen. And like I said, when I saw the stars aligned on Good Friday, it blew my mind. And actually, he put everyone on the aspect from the surface of the moon. And at exactly 3 p.m., the solar eclipse blotted out the Earth. And like it covered the Earth and... It happened that it was in the heart of the Ram constellation. That is just the creativity of God also, where he just shows that and no one's like, whoa. And one of the best trailers I've ever seen for that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know much about <clears throat> constellations and astronomy, but um, it sounds incredible. It sounds <laughs> like a, a pretty good documentary. Yeah. Um, so something that even I have gotten mixed up, and you kind of hinted at it, is that Jesus said he would die and be resurrected three days later. Now, we know he died on Good Friday, and he rose on Easter Sunday, but when you look at that length of time, it only looks like he was in the tomb for two days. What's your opinion on that, and how do you help those who may not fully comprehend it from a general observation? Yeah, uh, for sure. I think the first thing 
um, to understand it. And, and it is a lot easier to explain this when you're writing it out and you're going to show it on a timeline because it is confusing. It is. But when you observe scripture and you really get into the timeline of it, uh, Jesus was in the grave for three days and three nights. You know, when the uh, Pharisees uh, and, the, and the religious leaders asked Jesus for a sign that he was the Messiah, he said, you're not going to get a sign, but this one that I just like Jonah was in the whale or in the, in the big fish for three days and for three nights. Um, so the son of man will be in the grave for three days and three nights, you know? And so Jesus is being very clear here. And, in, and many times in, in scripture, you'll say it, that Jesus would raise in three days or after three days or on the third day. You know, we're seeing this, you know, third day, you know, and there's some significance there in the third day uh, that we won't get into. But Jesus is very clear here that he's going to be in the grave for three days and three nights. Um, and you're right. When you look at how we celebrate Easter, Good Friday and Sunday, we're like, wait a second. There's <laughs> something going on here. Um, the first thing to understand is is the the Jews and the disciples, um, they didn't celebrate Easter like we do. Right. You know, there was there was an Easter. They didn't celebrate the, the Christian holidays and the Christian calendar. Um, what they celebrated was Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. And you mm-hmm. can see that in the in the in the book of Luke. Um, they reference that specifically. Um, and in the year that Jesus died, um, their Passover started on a Tuesday. And Passover starts at sunset of one day mm-hmm. and ends at sunrise or sunset the next day right um and traditionally and you can read this in the book of leviticus when they're talking about passover and they're teaching about passover and the coming of passover um the day after passover is what they call the high day which is an annual sabbath that is separate from the weekly sabbath okay right and so in the timeline of jesus's death he is actually dying on a wednesday and he is actually rising on a saturday night okay and when you look at the timeline of how um, they celebrate the, these holidays and from sunset to sunset the next day, and we walk through it, he is in the grave for three full days and three full nights. Because then we get the account of Mary going there on a Sunday yeah. and finding the tomb empty. But it's interesting that when we read that, that Mary gets there and while it's still dark, right? And so very early in the morning. And so Jesus is already resurrected. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it doesn't say that Jesus resurrected that morning, but she found the tomb empty that morning. Right. Right. And so when we look at it, it wasn't four days and three nights. It wasn't three days and two nights. It was three days, three nights. Um, when you really break it down and really get into the history of Passover and the high day and all that good stuff, and you really line up the timeline, um, it actually makes a whole lot more sense when you look at it drawn yeah. out. I mean, it confuses me too. Okay. Um, and so if you're listening to this and you're like, wait a second, what in the world is happening? Um, there's awesome resources you can find that explain this. Um, and it's easy when you have a visual. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I, I did have the same you know, questions growing up. Wait a second, Friday to Sunday, that's two days. Like, like I know I've done my right. bat. This is not adding yeah, up. Right. I, I know but I'm not I, like, I had never heard of like the um, high day. Yep. I, yep. Until you mentioned it, I was like, what is that? Yeah, and that, that goes back into, you know, the book of Leviticus and um, Deuteronomy and these books of the law where they're explaining Passover. And um, it really takes a deep dive into what was Passover. When did they celebrate it? When in the calendar of the week, the year that Jesus died, was it celebrated? You know, and so it it, it really is involved 
to figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, and and the biggest thing just to understand, the biggest takeaway from that is they don't they didn't celebrate Easter Friday to Sunday. That wasn't um, a thing back then, but they were they were celebrating Passover, and that's when um, these events came about of Jesus um, being betrayed and having court and and, and dying and resurrecting. Um, and so we celebrate it Friday to Sunday. Um, we could say on the third day because, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is on the third day. Um, it's how we celebrate it in the Easter calendar. Uh, but when you really dive deep into it, it is three three full days, three full nights. You know, just like he said he would. Right. Um, just like the, the sign that he that he was the Messiah. Um, but I, I do understand it. It's, you know, it's confusing and you, you really got to <laughs> dive into it. Um, you know, and I might not have done the best no, no, that, explanation that, of it, but it's, it's, uh, uh maybe, there's some resources. Maybe, what were those resources that you said you can, uh, find? Um, the Bible project is a great one. Okay. Um, I would recommend the Bible project, um, for a lot of different things, a lot of different questions. Um, they put it in layman's terms, um, which is what I need to understand <laughs> things a lot. Ditto. Um, you know, um, one of the, the scriptures in the Bible that describe me most is when they're talking about the disciples, um, people were looking at them and they realized that they were ordinary men that had been with Jesus. That, that's me. Yeah. I'm an ordinary guy. <laughs> I've just been with Jesus, you uh-huh. know, and I trust in him and I give my life to him. Um, so even, you know, some of these complicated theological or historical things, um, it takes a lot of effort for me to know and to understand. And so Bible Project puts a lot into layman's terms and helps me understand a lot too. Okay. Yeah. So Bible Project, maybe forward slash uh, Easter week. Yeah, if you go to their website and just look up Easter Week or a Resurrection Timeline, okay. um, you'll find some good stuff on there. Awesome. So how do you think it shifted to how we celebrate it on Friday? What, yeah, is, there, I, is there any way that we know that, or is that just kind of like lost to history? Yeah, I don't I don't know the, the specific historical aspects of it. Um, that's beyond my, my scope of, <laughs> of interest and my scope of knowledge. Um, but I can assume that as we, you know— Enter into what we call the, the post Christian some Christendom, sorry, um, age, you know, um, where things are, you know, from society and the church are getting more and more separate. That, um, you know, we started celebrating celebrating it in ways that didn't necessarily not line up with the timeline, but lined up with our calendar and mm-hmm. our weeks. Yeah. Um, and so. Um, I don't know specifically historically or, or anything like that, but I can I can just uh, I can imagine that as society grows farther from you know the Bible that we start to celebrate things our own ways. Yeah, um, that happened a long time ago. Yeah, um, and so don't quote me on it, but <laughs> um, yeah. So some like to call it Easter, and others like to call it Resurrection Day. Why do you think it has become prominently known as Easter? Like, is that um, a Greek word or is it Latin or is it just some phrase that someone created uh, 1500 years ago? Like, Hey, we're going to use that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know a Greek or Latin word <laughs> of Easter. Um, it might, that might be true. Um, but again, I think it might've just, you know, been, you know, as we celebrate these holidays and as, you know, the Easter bunny comes into it and the candy comes into it, uh, we, just kind of adopt a different traditions and for people who aren't inside the church, uh-huh. um, you know, and so there, there could be a bigger significant to it and you might know the bigger significant to it. I actually um, don't but, really. All um, I know is that I, I was know. never allowed to call it Easter. It had to be resurrection day. And if you said anything about the Easter money, you had a good talking to. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, where did this Easter bunny come into 
prominence. It just made no sense to me. When you look at the story, it has zero correlation with it. So You don't, you don't remember the Easter bunny that hopped up while uh, Jesus was being resurrected? I'm totally uh, joking. There's no Easter bunny in the Bible. Um you know, he may have, there may have been rabbits in the garden, though. There, there could you, have you been. you got to at least give that correlation that there yeah. was a potential possibility. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> there might not be an Easter Bunny in the Bible, but I sure liked it when he visited me when I was a kid and I got all that candy. Um, that, that's, what, that's what made me fall in love with Easter to begin with. But then I learned the actual significance, and that, yeah. that is so much better oh, and yeah. so much greater um, than what we celebrated at, with an Easter Bunny. Right. So you already mentioned uh, Passover. And it has very close parallels with Easter. Could you share why that is? Because we, if you look at the story of Passover, you hear about the Passover lamb. And then Jesus is saying that he's the lamb of God. So even if you have a very basic overlook of it, you can sort of see the correlation. But could you explain that aspect? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Passover comes from, um, again, the story of the Exodus when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and Moses came to set them free and the, and the, the seven plagues came. Seven plagues? I think it was seven plagues. Um, uh, don't ten, quote ten, me on that. Ten, ten plagues. plagues. All right, you know more than I do. <laughs> um, but one of the final ones was um, the, the Spirit of God was coming through and killing the firstborns mm-hmm. of the Egyptians. It was um, Moses warned on Moses, said, set my people free, um, and it didn't happen. Um, and what they did was they, they sacrificed a lamb and they spread the blood of the lamb over the doorposts of their houses. And when the Spirit of God came through, he saw the, the blood of the lamb over those houses and passed by those houses. Um, so the wrath of God passed by the Israelites because of the blood of the lamb. And that's significant because Jesus says he is the lamb of God. He was he is the ultimate sacrifice. There's no need for more sacrifices. It was one sacrifice for all sin. Um and the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus now covers us. Mm-hmm. And just like the Israelites put it over the doorpost for the wrath of God to to pass over them, the blood of Jesus is applied to us now. And the wrath of God and the punishment um of of eternal time in hell passes over us because of this sacrifice of Christ. Yeah. Um, and all it takes is for us to say, I believe in you, Jesus. I give my life to you. Um, we don't have to do any more weird sacrificing and all that kind of stuff. Jesus has paid it. Yeah. And, and his blood covers it. And just like the blood over the doorpost, his blood is applied to us. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives us salvation and gives us hope from, for a future. Yeah. And that... It's very humbling when you look at it because we don't think he knows us when we're lost in the world, but he created us. So he knows every yeah. single intricate detail of us. And so when you think about that, it's, it's, it's very humbling and makes you wonder how privileged we are that he was willing to do that. Yeah. And yeah. It's a it's a some it's something that you want to ponder for a while. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can just jump into. In my yeah. in my opinion, you have to really think about it and you'll know when it's right, but it even when after you've become saved, you do want to just sometimes sit and just think about it. Reflect on that sacrifice he made and be grateful for it. Yeah, and I think that's one of the coolest parts of Easter. 
um, and celebrating it every year um, is it brings us back to remembrance. It brings us back to celebration. Um, and I love it when we just provide space to rethink about it and to re like, holy cow, he did this for me. Um, and it gives us space to do that. Um, and it's a great part of celebrating Easter. I love it. Yeah. So slightly shifting uh, gears here. Um, I wanted to ask about the importance of music surrounding Easter. A lot of songs have been written about Jesus' death on Good Friday slash Wednesday, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and his resurrection on Saturday, Sunday. It, now I'm all confused on that. <laughs> Um, but what songs have impacted you the most, uh, either for growing up um, or just in recent years? Because new songs are written every single year about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, does it have to be a specific Easter no. song? No, no, no. Um, one I've had on, on repeat for a while is is I Thank God uh, by Maverick City um, in Upper Room. Um, it's a great song. Um, you know, one... Let me see if I can remember the name of it. Man, if you didn't ask me, I would have had these on <laughs> on on ready repeat. Um, but "Great Are You, Lord" is another great one. Um, "Gratitude" by Brandon Lake, I can play that on repeat all the time. That one has been one that has brought me back to a place of gratitude. You know, it's a, it's a that's the name of the song, but it really lets you come back to man. All I have is is a hallelujah. All mm-hmm. I have is, is praise for you, God. Um, I might not have anything else. Um, this is all I have that's worthy of you. Uh, so I'm going to give it. Um, yeah. Just that gratitude of it. Um, and yeah, love those songs. Yeah. that the, I don't know those songs as well. Um, I grew up with, in the, when I was, the church I was going to, we sang like a lot of the 80s and 90s songs about it. Oh yeah. So I grew up with those and, but um, one song that I only found maybe about 10 years ago, it's a song by an Irish folk group, mm. and it's called Lord of the Dance, and it was written by a guy named Sidney Carter, and he was, I think, just a Irish folk songwriter, and he was a Catholic, I believe. I could be wrong, but... He wrote this song, and one version in particular that I like the best is by the Dubliners. And they were Irish folk group. They sang a lot of songs that had nothing to do with faith. But this mm-hmm. song just always stuck out because it's got a good beat to it, and it's got a little bit of humor to it. But it still tells the significance of Easter and of Good Friday and then of Easter Sunday. And it just is something that it's like, you always think, oh, it's super sad. And it is sad, but it also is one of the happiest days of our lives and everything. Mm -hmm. And they, in my opinion, they capture it. So I wanted to play that for you and see what you thought on that. Yeah. I am the Lord of the 
all in the dance said he. I danced for the scribes and the Pharisees. They wouldn't dance, they wouldn't follow me. I danced for the fishermen, James and John. They came at me, so the dance went on. Dance, dance, wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance said he. And I lead you all, wherever you may be. And I lead you all in the dance said he. song was a bit of a toe tapper had you oh, ever, yeah. had you ever heard that song before i mean i had never heard it before but i was ready to get up and dance while we were listening <laughs> to it. Um, i think it's it's pretty cool i mean i'm not an irish folk normal <laughs> listener uh, but just a couple of lyrics in there you know dance dance wherever you may be you know it's it's celebratory yeah. you know and that's what you know the the reaction could be should be it's like yeah. dance like like celebrate let's do this he said i'll lead you home wherever you may be yeah. you know um, and I think that's so significant to, you know, many people's stories is mm-hmm. they were so far away from God that they didn't know God. They didn't want to know God in some cases. Um, and wherever they were, uh, Christ chose to lead them home, chose yeah. to lead them back to himself. Um, and I think that's, you know, what an awesome song to, to you know, portray that. Yeah. Um, dance, dance for that. Because um, yeah. a lot of people are dancing because... Uh, Christ set them free, and He led them back home from a very dark place. Um, I think kind of awesome. reminds you of also the way you were saying it. Kind of reminds me of like the prodigal son. Yeah, um, yeah. like he, the father is waiting and welcoming the son home, and he, that's how Jesus is with us. He's at the gate watching for us, and as soon as we He sees us coming, He runs out to meet us, yeah. and that is another humbling aspect. But it's just like that's how awesome God is. Yeah, and that's why I, sometimes I find sad. Like some people just don't want anything to do with it. And it's like they'd rather just stay miserable more or less. And it's like, why would you want to do that to yourself? Yeah, I think in most cases um, for people who don't want anything to do with God, there is a 
misrepresentation of God in their past, mm-hmm. um, where they might not know the fullness of what they're missing. Uh, and the sad, the sad truth is, oftentimes it's um, could be because of interaction they've had with followers of Christ. Yeah, um, you know, the followers of Christ might paint Christ in a light that is not so flattering mm-hmm. to some people. Um, you know, and I think it's it's that why that it makes it that much more important that we represent Christ well. Yeah. Um, Christ used love to change hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, um, th- there was a lot of truth in that love, but, you know, the greatest commandment is the love, love yeah. each other. Um, Jesus goes on to say that they're going to know that we're his followers by how that we love each other, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think it's just, is that much more important of why we need to represent Christ the best we can, not, in a way of perfection or <clears throat> never screwing up, but in a way of, of loving people and, and, and showing them grace and mercy, the same grace and mercy that he showed us. Um, it just makes it that much more important to, to, to represent Christ that way. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one last question in regards to Easter, how do you think it is the best way to introduce people to the truth of Easter? Cause a lot of people will come just on Christmas and just on Easter and think they're good, but never fully understanding the true meaning of it. So how do you think the best way, say someone's first Sunday to any church is on Easter Sunday, they're going to be completely lost if they've like had no interaction with Christians in the past as to what is going on. So, but how do you think the best way is to introduce them to it? Yeah, I think even before they walk in the doors, uh, there's many ways you can present the gospel. You can evangelize, um, if you want to say that. Um, I think the best way is, is relationally. Mm. Um, I'm a big believer in earning the right to be heard in somebody's life. Um, I just... You know, look at myself. If somebody, I had no idea who they were, um, try to start telling me, you know, what, what's wrong with me, what they believe and how I should believe what they believe. If I didn't know them, I would not trust them very much. Yeah. But if I know somebody and somebody who's invested in my life and I've invested in them, we spent time together and they've earned the right to be heard, mm-hmm. then I'm going to listen. Yeah. And I'm going to take it seriously. You know, um, so number one, I think relationally, earn the right to be heard. Um, spend time with them. Don't just go in guns blazing. You can do that. I think there is a time and place for that, and it can yeah. be effective. Um, but I think relationally is where I would default to most of the time. Um, in terms of you know, somebody who's come to church for the first time on Easter Sunday, um, it starts when they park. You know, at Lift Church, we have what we call the Dream Team, which is all of our volunteers. We have. 50 to 65 people who come every morning to help set up church in a movie theater in a parking lot and all that good stuff. Um, and oftentimes we'll hear that they started knowing that this place was different in the parking lot with our parking team, um, with our parking guys, you know, Joe and Tyler and, and Tony and Gino. And like, they knew something was different. And then the, the greeters as they come in are saying, good morning, how are you? And, and are loving them as they come in. There's different the energy is different. The attitude is different as they're coming into this movie theater that we've turned into a church, you know, and it's, and it starts with the people, you know, um, what's said from the stage or sung from the stage will hit 
a hard heart, a heart of stone, um, if you will, if they're treated poorly coming in or if they're ignored coming in. Um, and it, it starts, you know, the people is loving people as they come in, creating an atmosphere and a culture that is accepting and loving and, and you know, fun, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and loving them as they come in that they, they people notice the greeters and the parking and the people who are serving them coffee um, and loving them through that. Um, you know, I, we, I like to say it's our it's our secret sauce at church. You know, it's it's our secret <laughs> weapon is is our is our parking team and our greeting team. You know, even the people who are coming in saying they're going to be closed off to anything about God, it's kind of like our our our, our secret Mister Miyagi. You as you're coming into the parking <laughs> lot, it's, we're going to love you. You know, the, your first interaction with Jesus is going to be our parking team. Is going to be our greeters, yeah, and then the people serving you coffee, um, and 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 taking care of your kids, and it's a team effort, you know, Get, getting you to your seat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then beyond that is is having um, scripture and the word presented in a way they're going to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could talk doctrine and theology all day, <laughs> um, and I would probably fall asleep. You know, but there are. There are ways that we can present the gospel that are true, mm-hmm. that are rooted in Scripture, that don't that are come one hundred percent from Scripture. We're not going to um, manipulate or change the gospel in any way, but there are ways where we can present it, yeah. where people are going to hear it and understand it, and 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 be captivated by it. You know, and I think the the gospel in its purest form is captivating. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can do our part in allowing people to listen and understand. Um, I love, I used to work for Young Life. Um, I love Young Life. And one of the things that um, they always say in our training and our staff days, um, and Young Life is a is a youth ministry, um, but we always say it's a sin to bore a kid with the gospel. Mm. And I would say it's a sin to bore anybody with the gospel because yeah. the gospel is not boring. Right. Um, and so we can do our best to present the gospel in a way that people can understand and be hooked by it and and, and want to listen. You know, we, we can have the best worship team ever. You know, I, I think people come in and if we have poor music, they might not listen. You mm-hmm. know, great music is not necessary right. for the gospel. Right. It isn't. I know that lights are not necessary for the gospel. You know, sometimes lights can, can hinder the, the presentation of it. Um, you know, I'm glad that we know the line there. We do our best to present our gifts um, the best we can without being a distraction right. or being overboard. Um, but we can provide an atmosphere of excellence and of fun and of joy um, and of, of just great stuff where mm. people want to come and listen and hear. Um, and I think, you know, when you put all that together... You know, it's it's like a, a symphony where there's different instruments playing. Where if one thing's playing, all right, that's pretty good. If you add one more thing, all right, that's awesome. But everything together, the parking, the greeting, the host, the the coffee team, the the worship team, the the preaching, the 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 people just interacting with them as they come in. They might not even be serving that day. It all comes together um, to make the beautiful symphony of the gospel. Um, you know, and, and how we live our lives speaks the loudest. That, you know? that was a really good analogy of using the orchestra because like that's how it works you can't just have a one-man show mm-hmm. it's yeah. not just the preaching that happens it's like you said it's everything yeah, yeah and that really just 
amplifies it all. Yeah, yeah. And I might be, be going a little off topic here, but, you know, I love in the book of Hebrews where it's talking about Jesus is the high priest, you mm-hmm. know, and we no longer need a priest between us and God. We right. have that full access because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and for many people, the the perception is that there's the, the pastors and the staff of church yeah. that are up above them um, doing the ministry mm-hmm. and they're just there to observe or be a part of it. But no, we're, we're all on the same playing field. We're all called to ministry. Um, we're all called to to live a life of Christ so that people see that and we're able to affect people and to, to love people. We're all called to ministry. You might not be called to vocational ministry, which is that is your job, but you're called to ministry. Mm-hmm. You're called to love people. You're called to, to share Christ with the people that you work with, the people you go to the gym with, the people that you play basketball or tennis or, or go to concerts with. You, that, you are called to ministry. Yeah. yeah, every single one of us, you know, and we're a lot more effective that way, mm-hmm. you know, instead of, quote unquote, leaving on leaving it to the professionals, you know, we're all called to it. You know, my job as a pastor is to, to serve you more. Yeah, is to provide an avenue for you to use your gifts for ministry, for you to to be fulfilled and or to to find fulfillment in using your gifts for Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. My role is not to do all the ministry. Uh, my role is to is to provide ways for everybody to get involved, to, mm. to do ministry, to love people. Um, and I think that's you know the, one of the awesome parts about the the Big C Church. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Uh, so this this conversation has been really really great, and I want to thank you for coming on to it. Yeah. Um, before we end, is there any particular inspirational quote or a favorite verse that you'd like to share? Um, my favorite verse for a long time has been uh, Psalm one forty four one. It says, "Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle." Um, just a you know, I'm a man. You know, I like <laughs> to think I'm a man's man uh, sometimes. But that scripture just you know, it gets me pumped. He yeah. trains my trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. I'm ready to go. Uh, so I love that verse. It's it's been. My, my, probably my favorite scripture for over 10 years now. Wow. Um, you know, and I have it written places and to, as reminders. Um, it's just it's something that has stuck with me for a long time. That's awesome. And uh, that verse again is Psalm... Psalm 144.1. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you. And that will do it for this episode of the Snowman Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I would like to thank Pastor Aaron for coming on and sharing more about Easter. I know I learned some new things, and I hope you did as well. For more information about Easter, you can check out thebibleproject.com forward slash Easter, or you can go right to the main source and read the biblical accounts found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you'd like to learn more about Lift Church, just go to their website, which is liftsby.com. If you would be interested in learning more about the constellations and their alignments in the first century at the time of Easter, check out the documentary Star of Bethlehem. You can find it on YouTube for free, or if you would like to own it on DVD, you can find it on Amazon or at Bethlehemstar.com. For the song I played, you can find it on any streaming service available. It is called Lord of the Dance by the Dubliners. They recorded the song multiple times, so there is a chance you may find an alternate version when you're looking for it. And thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave a five-star rating, and if you wish, a nice review so as to make it easier for new listeners to find the show. Also, please share it with your family and friends. The Snowman Podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Reason.fm, 
and YouTube. Or as I always say, you can just type in the Snowman Podcast and look for an American flag with a snowman in the foreground. Till next time, this is Snowman, and I'll see you now here.